And you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act podcast with myself, Eddie Scally, and I'm delighted to be joined this week by a legend of Kilkenny hurling, Peter Chap Clear. Peter, good evening. Good evening, Eddie. How are you keeping? Chap, um, I'm in great form actually. Uh, for allowing for the times that we're in, it's it, it's great to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, I do, I do. I'm going to start with something a little bit different yep. uh, because I've never actually asked you this as long as I know you. Chap, where does Chap come from, or how does that come? <laughs> yeah, it's a very good story. My my father was Peter, and my grandfather was Peary. Uh, so when I came along, I was the third Peter, we'll say, in the family. And you know, everyone would be coming in looking at me, the aunties and neighbours. And oh God, he's a fine chap. He's a big chap. He's a good-looking chap. And uh, and I suppose just stuck on that. That story has grown a little bit of legs down through the years. But that's where the chap would have come from. And um, look, everybody calls me chap now. My 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 four daughters, they don't call me Peter or Daddy. They call me chap. Like so. Everyone knows me as chap. That's who I am. And uh, look, it's it's nice because it's something different. And it's there's, there's like anybody that has a one name and it's it's you. It's 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 nice to have that it's different. Your identity. It's your identity. So it is who I am. And uh, I've never known any different. And you could say Peter five times, and I wouldn't turn around. But if you say chap, I turn around straight away. So. No, That's just the enough. way it is. A very believable way where the story, the name came from. The only bit I'd find hard to believe is anyone was going there saying he's a lovely looking chap. I don't believe that happened, but no, fair enough. Chap, one of the things that's it's it's it, it, it's very big in the news at the moment, obviously with the whole COVID scenario that we're in. But our all-conquering, all-powerful Dublin senior football team have really let the side down here. I think um, training group training session. It clearly was a, yeah. a a planned group training session. I mean, it wasn't like they were having a kick about. You know. The narrative the press might try and spill to us over the few days there's only a few boys meeting for kickabout mm. this was a from the photos I've seen this was an actual training session that was going on um, you've had a chance to see it and digest it what's your thoughts? Yeah well I suppose the, the first thing I'd say is in, in pre-COVID times so in normal in normal situation before we say we came into the pandemic we're in at the moment a team of 8 or 9 or 10 players going out on a Tuesday or Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock you'd be saying it's absolutely amazing they're great players they're great you know they're dedicated to their to their trade and they're fantastic, but in the current context of where we're at and with the sacrifices people and uh, families and communities have had to make, I mean what they did was just at best um, it was naive um, and at, at, you know there was a little bit of, of deviousness in it in my my opinion. If I look at it and take a step back, and I see clubs, um, adult clubs and underage players and camogie and all different levels around the country. And they're all adhering to the guidelines. They're all, you know, doing their 5Ks and their WhatsApps and doing their training and, you know, maybe doing their, their online Zooms with TJ Reid and clubs coming together. And then to see, you know, role models, we'll say, um, completely making up the rules themselves as they go along. It's it's distasteful and it's, I suppose, it's a kick in the face to every single club player uh, and county player that aren't at it uh, at the moment because it's... Um, it's very clear in terms of the message that come out on the 19th of April they can go back and train um, even before clubs can and I just think the, the club player in particular um, and the counties that, that, that aren't doing it I mean it really is uh, it's a sickener it's a sickener for them and it's what happened was absolutely wrong and um, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't condone it for a second and is it, is it something like the, the, this is what's being suggested today is that this is happening the length and breadth of the country with inter-county GEA teams do you like one of my friends texted me and said, "Wasn't it so unfortunate they got caught at the first training session?" So yeah, you know, like- I, I I don't buy that myself. Now, be honest with you, because um, as I said to you, like this this from, from my opinion anyway, and this is only my opinion, um, and from conversations I've had with people up in Dublin, um, this has been going on for a number of weeks. It just happened that 
it was actually uh, Tuesday or Wednesday morning that they were actually caught because a photographer doesn't just happen to go and be there on a Tuesday morning if this hadn't been going on for a couple of weeks in advance. So um, I'm sure there's been many training sessions done behind the scenes. And I know you can make the argument that, geez, they were just unlucky they got caught. But but in the spirit of where we're at and in the spirit of, of and I suppose the, the impact that the GA has on, on the country, like what they did was just absolutely stupid, um, crazy, and a kick in the face to every single other player um, club and county that, that that's not added us adhering to the to the guidelines you know and the sanction that's been thrown out already is Desi Farrell has been suspended for 12 weeks the, the question I'd ask you there like like me as a club manager myself if I was to go and get my club team players to go and train and do things there's no way I could do this without the club realising that I'm doing it is it acceptable that Desi Farrell is the whole scapegoat and the whole thing and he's thrown on the sword or does Dublin County Board have have something to answer here? I mean, they were using a GEA ground to go and train like. Yeah, I mean, the Dublin County Board obviously has a lot of questions to answer. In my opinion, what's happened here is Desi Farrell has taken one for the team here as in he's um, he's taken the full responsibility. He's sidelined for the three months but like, there's no sanction on, on those players um, or the other coach will say that was there as well doing the drills with them. So they seem to have got away scot-free for now. Um, look, you don't want to completely um, destroy people's careers or anything like that either but at the same time in in the spirit of where we're at right now so close to the to getting back to a little bit of normality given the sacrifices that so many players um, in the GA in the country have made and I'm talking about under 6 under 8 young boys and girls that haven't been in the hurling field I'm talking about you know 25, 26 year old really good guys um, that have given their lives to their clubs and their counties and, and they haven't been meeting up and haven't been doing it and to see I suppose the elite, you could say, in terms of you know six All Irelands, the top top players, just sheer abandonment. And look, we're 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 different. We can do what we like. It just to me, it was um, it was it was shocking. Yeah, and like the only point that I would defend them on, and I know it's very hard to defend the indefendable, but the Dublin footballers that were there at training, I would kind of think if I'm if I'm one of the players on that team and I'm directed from the mm-hmm. management that I need to go training. As you say, this is a six in a row All Ireland winning football team. Um, there's no player guaranteed his place in that panel. I, you know, surely there's you have to kind of allow for the fact that there would have been serious pressure on these guys mm. to do it. I mean, it's seven o'clock in the morning, them turning up to yeah. a session. Um, should sanctions be put on the players? I don't think so. I think you know, we really have to look at the people above that. Um, yeah, the players. You know, if I asked you if you were on the, yeah. the Dublin football team and I'm managing it and I asked yeah. you to come training. The decision you're making is do I want to play for Dublin this year or yeah. do I not? And and that's the thing here. I mean, what we don't know for sure yet, because obviously it's just fresh in the headlines, what we don't know is was this a directive from the management of Dublin or was it a couple of players saying, do you know what, let's go back and let's do a bit of our own. So you don't know who actually gave the instruction. And now obviously Desi Farrell has taken the hit. Um but you, I suppose to be fair to those Dublin footballers, they are um they're an incredible group of players a credible panel and you just don't know was it actually player driven did the players say look we're back in a couple of weeks time let's get together a few of us that live close by maybe win the 5k and come together for um, for, for a kick around or a bit of um, a, a bit of a I suppose a get together or whatever you know but hiring a coach to yeah, us well, 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 well that, that's the thing you see is the coach being there is the one that makes it look like it's coming directly from uh, like you know, the, the powers that be in the, the Dublin whether it was just the management or whether it was the county board were aware of it one way or another it shouldn't have happened it did happen Um Desi has taken the the hit for it, but you're right. They're, 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 if I'm a player and I'm on a Dublin panel or I'm a main player, um, I, I you know I want to be there for the seven row. I want to be in Crow Park. I want to win All Ireland. And if seven of my peers are going playing and I'm not, 
Like it's Jesus, you know. Yeah, you know, no, you're not going we're to get rid of that guy there. We move on to the next one. We get someone that will. So there would have been a lot of pressure, I would imagine, on those players um, to actually go themselves as well. So um, look, it it shouldn't have happened. It did, but I know there was instances in Cork and Down as well um, when they were you know late last year would have trained as well. So, um, but look, I think he, were, in fairness to the Dublin and the, or the Down and Cork one, I think the scenarios may have been a little bit different. Ah, yeah, I think there were, you know. At the time, we weren't in a full-scale lockdown like yeah. we are at the moment. But look, we we could, we could, yeah, it's it's it, it was ill-advised, and it's 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 a it poor reflection on the GA. Poor reflection, GA. Poor reflection on 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 Dublin, and um, very very naive and insensitive, really, to the sacrifices that so many people have made around the country. No, we we we'll, we'll push away from it because you know we could we could spend the next hour. Yep. Chewing the fat on what's wrong and right with Dublin, I could start asking you about funding that they're getting and whatnot. Maybe, maybe the GEA should sanction them by giving your own club, the Blacks yeah. and Whites, uh, a bit of a cut of the we Dublin GEA funding. Um, that's where I'm going to start with today, um, chap. Your, your club is is a, is a small uh, parish there, yeah. based between kind of Gore and Greg Namana, um, Scott Faustine there, the Blacks and Whites. Um, you've you've played with the club all your life. It's 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 a club you're very proud of, I'd say. Ah, look, it's it's. Your club is just everything. Um, no matter who you talk to, um, you know your 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 club is where you start. Um, your club is where when you know when you are fortunate enough to represent uh, your county, you're you're doing it for yourself, obviously, but you're doing it for your club, you're doing it for your family, you're doing it for your community. So your club is always everything. And at the end of the day, when you finish up hurling, and when you go to to meet your meet your match when you're eighty or ninety years of age, please God, your club will be the ones that'll be there giving you the uh, the guard of honor or whatever. So I'm I'm incredibly proud of my own club. Um, and I just, yeah, I just, I can't say enough good things uh, about them. They're they're an amazing community and amazing people, and yeah, you need to be getting emotional even thinking about it, you know. No, it's 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 great because I, I tell you what I really enjoyed was I I, I spoke to um, some of our own club members um, about about yourself and the impact you would have made in the club over the years, um, and and Eddie Doyle in particular obviously would have been kind of feeding the information for you. Not all good as you can imagine <laughs> uh, when it's Eddie there talking about you, but. But when we got talking about it, Eddie was at pains to point out to me that there was a golden age in the Blacks and Whites GA club, and he said he says that you were an integral part of that group. But I want to take you back, Ryan C under fourteen. Yeah, your under fourteen team. You know, you won a county title at under fourteen. Yeah. Um, probably still have memories of that. Do you? Oh that yeah, and, and I suppose just to put it in context, our club was formed in nineteen twenty five. And from 1925 to 1985, so in the first 60 years, we won one, won a senior football championship in 1932. And after that, we won a minor Ryan C in 1985 or 1986 it was. And that was it. That was the only success in, in 80, 80 years, which is, which is incredible really, but, but, but that's the reality of, of, of where we were at, a small rural club on the Kilkenny Carter border. And I suppose I was very fortunate that, I suppose to go back, originally what happened was, um, we had a really good schools team uh, in Skjokfarsheen and in Greg Deman and we played together under 13 we would have won a Ryan B uh, under 13 schools in a replay and that would have given us as as players huge belief uh, in ourselves and in, in what we were doing and yeah under 14 1997 um, we, we were very fortunate it was Ryan C so you're, you know, you're not talking the, the top top levels but for us it was massive it was huge for the club it was huge for, for the people um, it's very hard to win anything in Kilkenny at any level or any grade. Uh, we had some fantastic players and um, Shane Murphy and Barry Maloney and these, these just brilliant, brilliant players. Uh, Shane O'Sullivan and I was fortunate enough to be to be captain of that team and to be involved in them. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just just an amazing time, really special. And we beat Wingap in the final. Um, 
and I remember we went back to the it was in Nolan Park and again for us we were just elated like you know to get into Nolan Park was amazing but we went back to uh, I think it was the long man uh, in Kilfane there in Thomastown and I was just just seven up flowing. Ah, just seven up was flowing. Uh, we might have wanted more, but it was just it was just an amazing time. I mean, our goalkeeper Jason Carroll, I think, was ten or eleven years of age at the time. Tom Maloney, um, Crow's younger brother, would have been on it again. He was about two foot four. I'd say he was absolutely tiny, but he was a dinger. He was brilliant. So we just had a great bunch of people uh, that came together at the one time, and um, yeah, we went from strength to strength. We won an under fourteen in ninety seven, and. Uh, you know, that was a real catalyst and I suppose for me personally it would have been great because I would have been with the um the Tony Forrest, the Kenny Tony Forrest I would say in in we'll say ninety six and ninety seven. Um so it would have it would have been a huge one for me to be able to win something with my club. But I never knew any different, Eddie, because we only started really proper properly playing games from about under twelve. Now you're playing from you know yeah, you know, three years of age. Yeah. But but back then the first few challenge matches and games we had were kind of under twelve. Um we had won the schools with Greg Neman and Skiok under thirteen, Ryan B, which was which was huge. Um and then in, in like the following year under fourteen then we would have won the won the Ryan C and um that would have given the club and, and us as young players huge huge um huge confidence and there's a thing in Skiok now when you win a championship you get your picture put up in a clubhouse. So uh, for us it was great. You had the, the, the minor team that won um, and then there was a couple of northern finals that the um, the, the junior team had won. But ninety seven was our little moment, and our yeah, our squ- our group of people wall. got our picture on the wall. And my sound like a small thing, but for us it was huge, you know. And that that group of players, um, if my sources are correct, you, you were Ryan C at under fourteen, up to Ryan B at under sixteen, won the county title yeah, again yeah. at Ryan B, and yeah. then. At minor, you yeah. were up to Ryan A, yeah. and, and and were beaten by a, an extremely strong Carrick Shock team. I think, yeah, in, absolutely, in, in the county quarterfinals. Yeah, like the club at this stage must have been starting to really starting to stamp its its, its yeah. place in Kilkenny. You, you see, the club was on a crest of a wave, and there was two things around this time. Um, in ninety one, ninety two, our first team would have started competing in. I suppose. The impact of that minor 1985 and 1986 team, they started getting to Northern Junior County Finals and stuff. So when I'm a young kid, I'm going into Nolan Park to see Skiok play in a Northern Final and County Finals. And, and you know, we were getting really excited about this. So all of my generation that are coming up together are seeing our adult team being really, really competitive. Now, they never go over the line, but they were really, really competitive. Uh, we win in 97. The following year, um, the, the, the men's team win the County Final in 98, the Junior County Final, which was incredible. Um, and in the following year, ninety nine, we win the under sixteen Ryan C. We beat Piltown by three points down Thomastown, um, and again it was just like you know to win Ryan under fourteen Ryan C in ninety seven. Uh, two years later, to win Ryan B, I, showed, I suppose it showed real progression uh, in terms of of us as a squad and as a team. And um, yeah, and we we competed then in Ryan A. We were beaten in a in a quarter in a I think it was a quarter final. Um, Carrick Shock beat us in a quarter Ryan A final but they would have had John Tennyson John Dalton Michael Rice Richie Power it would have been a phenomenal team that would have beaten us um, but you know we were there thereabouts we were a very very good team very good squad and uh, yeah we were very fortunate to have won you know under 14 under 16 competing Ryan A minor and I think we won an under 21 a couple of years later as well and um, then just just when you were in the middle of doing this um, kind of under under 14 and up into under 16s again in 98 you won the junior title yep, with the yep, club yep. You, were, you would have been 15 I was 15 years of age I didn't I, I didn't play that year I was a sub for most of it um, but I was 15 years of age uh, there was 30 of us on the panel and it was just an, an unbelievable like bonfire like you, you t- it was the first time the club had ever won 
um, adult competition in terms of Junior 98 and there were some brilliant players me the likes of Sean Keeley was on the minor panel um, and would have been an incredible hurler Lofty um, Dennis Carroll would have been coming towards the end of career but again he would have played one of minor and under 21s with Kilkenny and uh, with the seniors and, 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 and juniors so it was just it was an incredible time um, you know I'm 15 years of age with the clubhouse down there um, you know my generation were all um, you know of an age where we might you know chance an old can of beer or, or an old short or whatever and there's one funny story that um, I can say it now because it's 20 years later but a few of us are going up to the bar you know uh, we would have been whatever 15, 16, 17 uh, but we were big men so we were, you know we were, we were, we were hardy um, and you know you'd be ordering a pint or ordering this and the QT and getting lads to buy a few drinks but I remember one friend of mine went up and said Jesus um, I won't mention the name of the man but he said look can I get a uh, can I get three vodkas there? And he says, no, he says, no way you're getting any shorts. I'll serve you pints all night, but no way you're going to have any shorts. <laughs> and it was just a great, um, you know, they're the kind of stories that you have coming back for us, for our generation. Now, for the other guys, it was amazing. The likes of, of, of you know, Nick Kelly and all those, it was, you know, a life's work for them uh, to get there. And, and it was incredible for them. But for me, coming in at 15 years of age, all of a sudden now I'm 15. I've won, I suppose, under 13 schools, Ryan B. I've won under 14, Ryan C. Now I'm winning the junior county final. The following year, I'm winning under 16, Ryan B. So, you know, we're just getting success after success and we kind of know no different, really. So the whole club was on the crest of a wave at that stage. It was fantastic. And then, just just with the junior team as well, you, you came back and, and won again in 2002. Yeah. Um, you would have been an integral part of that team now. Yeah. You're kind of coming of age at this yeah. stage. Yeah. Do you remember much about that year? Oh, I do. That, yeah, that year was... That was an amazing. We got relegated in 2001, Eddie. Uh, we had gone up intermediate and we, you know, we were competitive for a couple of years of there, but we got relegated in 2001. Um, we were unlucky to be relegated, but we were, and, and that's the reality. Uh, when you go down, you go down. But thank God we came straight back up and uh, we had some unbelievable battles that year. We played Galmoy in a Northern final and went to a draw. Um, would you believe it? My, my, my cousin was would have been killed in a car crash in between the, the first game in the Northern final and the replay. Um, and I remember being at the I remember the first game being the draw and I played pretty okay and I remember could be good to her she, she passed away and, and killed in, in, in a city in a, in a car accident near near the hurling pitch in Skiok actually and um, I remember that week all along it's a tough time when, when you know she was 19 years of age yeah, it would no, have been tragic but it's tough because you know you're looking at your family and your uncles and your aunties and your cousins and you know they're all you know heartbroken and you wouldn't really have I wouldn't have experienced much of that at that stage so I remember just being you know up in the pub afterwards and all my relations coming up saying Jesus best luck now next week you know next Saturday in the match um, or Sunday whatever day it was and I remember just saying to myself that day I am going to absolutely leave everything I have out in this field for the for the replay and um, you know it, it was thank God I, had, I played really really well in the replay I think it was man of the match we win the game we go to the county finals the following week so just game after game we win the county final by a pint and we're back up and it's just euphoria we're a really really young team Eddie I mean I think there was I was 19 I was midfield at the time Niall Kendi was 17 uh, Barry Maloney was 17 James Brennan was 17 you know really really I think we had 5 players under 19 years of age 3 under 17 and I suppose that's one of the things that would really hurt a smaller club like Blacks and Whites is this rule now that if you're under 17 years of age you can't play with the adult team uh, and I understand the logic around it in terms of protecting players and all that sort of stuff but um, but you know like Paul Murphy would have heard for Skiok when he was an under 16 I would have been under 15 playing intermediate with Skiok um, Sean Keeley is 16 you know so like it's if you're good enough you're good enough um, and it's okay if you're a big club and you have loads of players and you can do that but it really can hurt a smaller club when when really exceptional underage players that are absolutely every bit as, as good to either start or to really 
compete and be competitive when they don't get up that opportunity under 17 I think it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky one really you know so just just gonna, I'm going to pick you up on that before yeah, we keep yeah. push on a little bit more like I, I, I'm very lucky in, 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 in the sense with this podcast I get to speak to some great hurlers yeah, yeah. um, and, and, and footballers and, and one of the people I spoke with was Kevin Walsh who would have played um, senior inter-county football for Galway managed Galway played international basketball and, and one of the questions we got talking to him was you know when did you make the breakthrough into your club team uh, the club adult mm. team and he laughed and said that he started midfield for the club intermediate team in a championship at 13. Mm. Um, I said, did it do it any harm? He said, look, 13 might have been a little yeah, bit yeah, young yeah, yeah, um, yeah. because of later in his life, he, he, knee injuries and hip injuries and stuff like that, that maybe because he was such a big lump of a fella, they were able mm. to use him. But the, the question I would say to you is, I know the point that you're making about the logic of of of, of not playing a thirteen-year-old or fourteen-year-old, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but I see sixteen-year-olds in fields that are very well built. They're well able for it, and and, and they should be hurling for their mm, clubs. Mm. Um, it's it's okay for a club like James Stevens yeah. in the middle of the city that, that that can put in that rule. Is is this something that the GEA need to look at? Are we going to end up losing small clubs because of this rule? I, th- I think so. And and you, I mean, I'll speak for the blacks and whites because I know it best. We always would have had people who. Um, would have always been under 16 under 17 playing on a first team I mean Paul Whelan uh, superb hurler James Dye, like we just it just always happened um, and I said if you're a big club with big numbers and you know different players coming through every single year that's for the, I mean I was I was 11 years of age playing minor for Skiok I was 13 playing under 21 and I mean I was 11 playing minor and I was 11 aside against James Stevens second team so you're really in the situation where a smaller club in particular is really hamstrung when they don't get access to their best uh, potential players. Um, and I think it's definitely something that needs to be looked at. Um, you know, I, I understand player burnout and they're involved in loads of different teams and especially the good players, everyone's going to want them whether they're in, in secondary school or up in Fitzgibbon or, or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, if if you have a, a 16 or 7, in my opinion, if you have a 17-year-old that's going to be 18 in January and he can't play with the adult team and he could be the best hurler in the club or one, you know, being a top five or six, it will actually develop him more by getting access and exposure to adult hurling than it will the other in terms of turning him back because, um, in my opinion anyway, the more exposure you can get at a younger age, the tougher you'll be and the better you'll be and the more, um, I suppose the more humbling it can be as well. If you're, you know, all the time paying at your age grade up along, and you're paying under 15 and you're the main player, you're under 17 you're the main player, then you come into the adult setup and all of a sudden, you're not the main player. Well, that can be a bit of readjusting. Whereas if you're like I was 15 years of age or like James Doran, 15, 16 years of age, and you're training with the with the men, we'll say, but you know you're down the pecking order. Like there, there's a goal there that you have to work so hard and that as you're getting older and getting bigger and stronger, you're competing against these adult players. And that really benefits your underage hurling because you're, um, you know, you're, you're hurling against men, we'll say, but it's also um, giving you, you're not the main player you know, you might be the main player under 16 uh, or the main man or whatever it is. But when you go to your adult team, you're not the main player anymore. And it's a different role. And I suppose from a player's perspective, it's a great way to... It's a leveller. It's, it's a great humility and it's a great lever. And it gives them that focus that, you know what, I might be a big star under 16 or under 14 or whatever it is. But amongst these guys, I'm only one off. And I think that's really, really important in terms of keeping that on the ground. I, I can see totally where you're coming from. And I'm, and I'm completely on the same page as you here. But it's... I remember playing at club level myself say under 12s under 14s under 16s and our standout player um, was our full forward at the time um, 
you won't have heard of him mm. be, because when he was under 12s, under 14s and under 16s, he was about 6 foot 1, 6 foot 2 and the rest of us were knocking around at 5 foot. Mm. So our game plan, as you can imagine, with most teams that just want to win was yeah. booted really high in yeah, the yeah. air and Jacko would catch it and he was, he was very good now. He was excellent. But he was big enough and strong enough that what should have happened for his development, in my opinion, was he should have been put in mm. to play with them. I see it happening a little bit with rugby that they're on about, I don't know if you've seen this one, in rugby they were looking at weight. Mm. Um, so if you get a big, big hulk of a man at 14 or 15 years of age, especially in a sport like rugby, yeah, yeah. he can't be hitting tackles on a normal sized yeah. for and I don't, a normal size, not the right word, but you, yeah. you know what I'm saying, that it's, it's, it's kind of done on a more weighted scale. But I, I just can't see the logic I, I see last year uh, you know with different club teams that would have brought in generated a couple of minor players I see with say Dixborough with Lee Moore yeah, yeah. lads like that Th- these these lads were good enough to be playing there yeah. a year ago or two year ago yeah. and, and we're actually holding them back yeah. by not letting them kick on it's no, not I'd, fair to say. I, I, I'd be on the very same page in that and as I said to you um, like a club like Dixborough a club like James Stevens or a lock you know the big clubs with the big picks they can absorb that because they have the numbers, but when you go down to the to the, the junior clubs, you'll say like like ourselves and blacks and whites and you know many other clubs. I mean, we you know we long and we hope for those guys to come through because they're going to make it more competitive and they're going to make it better for everybody because um, those guys can come in and make an impact and make a difference and and really contribute to the to the setup of it. And as it you, when I was young lad, um, I remember playing intermediate championship. Uh, I was under fifteen up in Freshford, and you know Michael Cavanagh would have been on the senior panel at the time, and you're you're coming up against him like he was a, a god. And all of a sudden, you know, you're on the same pitch as him, and it's just Jesus. It's you know, it's it's brilliant. Like now, yeah. you probably didn't touch the ball, but at the same time, you know, you're midfield, you're out of the way, um, the game can bypass you, um, but you're getting exposure to that, and you're getting games with with top top uh, players and but stuff. You do, so. you do lift yourself. I mean, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, at, at fifteen or sixteen, I mean, I remember playing a game against Callan in Thomas or in um, in Clara. Um, I would have been around. I would have been about. 15, 16 years of age, or maybe ninety nine. The year after we we um we we won won the championship in ninety eight. So ninety nine, I'm playing, and the full forward line is I was corner forward. I was about six foot at the time, six foot two maybe. Um, the full forward was a cousin of mine, Zenga, six foot five, massive man, and the corner forward was Dennis Carroll String, another six foot two. So we had an unbelievable size of full forward, and we all lived side by side. It was me. Dennis and Zenga in terms of houses. So it was literally the full forward line was there was that, and I don't think I touched the ball the whole game, Eddie. And um, maybe a minute to go, it's a draw. I can't remember, did we actually win the game or draw it? But I remember we got the right result anyway, whether we needed a draw to stay up or a win. But I remember I I don't think I touched the ball the whole game. I was kind of looking over the side and just they're going to take me off in any second. You know yourself, you're waiting for the curly finger to come, but I don't think the bench might have been that strong that day. Um, but a puck out came, out came down and um, I caught the puck out and put it over the bar. It's probably the first thing I did, the only thing I did the whole game. Maybe a minute or two to go, we win the game or we draw the game. I can't even remember which it is. And we stay up or whatever and, and it's just, you feel like you've made just an unbelievable contribution. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And then you see your name in the paper on the Wednesday, you know, uh, clear to the rescue or, you know, a clear victory for Scott or something, whatever it was. Um, the mother probably has it at home somewhere in the scrapbook. Um, but it's it's all of a sudden you just feel 10 foot tall like you know and you're going then to play an under 16 match and you just feel like a you, you just you feel your like confidence star, yeah. is just so far up like you know it's just amazing um, so yeah so little, little moments like that you know as I said to you you mightn't have touched the ball for the whole game but you just remember that one moment where you got a flicker you got a catcher you give a hand pass and you got a goal over whoever it is um, but yeah they were a great time they were they were fantastic uh, so I'd be, I'd be all for um, look I understand 
you know, 15 years is probably too young. Kevin Walsh at 13 is probably too young. But at the same time, once you get to 16 years of age, I mean, if you're good enough, yeah. you're good enough, in my opinion, anyway, you know. No, I'd agree 100%. Um, one, of the, one of the ones I want to kind of touch on is 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 is, is the last junior final for, for the Black Boys. The last one's the one yeah. in 2009. Knowing you as well as I do and yeah. having the pleasure of travelling the length and breadth of the county with you, um, I notice every field we walk into, the man in black in the middle always knows you and says, hi, you chap. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes, not. I, I know I'm probably getting a reputation as bad <laughs> at the moment um, but you were sent off in the was, yeah. county semi-final in uh, quarter-final yeah. quarter-final so you yeah. were suspended for the final mm. 2009 um, and again we would have been we would have been diabolical the year before I think the borough's second team beat us in the first round of the championship uh, in Gorn which was just you know unacceptable like, really yeah for, for us at that stage it was just you know uh, so we were so far out of anyone's minds in terms of potential um, winners or whatever and Pat O'Neill was training at the time and Pat O'Neill I, I love Pat O'Neill as a trainer I thought he was amazing uh, he really just got that extra couple of percent out of you and, and I loved him as a hurler and I loved him as a coach but Pat was training us and um, we won our first match very narrowly and our next match was against Liz Downey who would have been kind of very hotly fancied at the time and it was in Nolan Park and um, I, I, I was playing really really well at the time and um yeah, just maybe twenty minutes to go. One day our players run in, and I go out hit him with a shoulder, and um, not major in it. There was an instant a couple of minutes before, right? Not between me, between the two other players, Michael Ryan. I always say to him, Michael Ryan hopped off another lad, and I think the ref in his head thought, right, the next time something happens here, I'm going to. So one of their players run in, I give him a shoulder, definitely a free, probably a yellow, and the ref probably panicked. I won't say his name, but he panicked, and he and he he gave he gave a red card, and I suppose at that moment you're just like, oh. Like you, you, you sink. Like you now we were about six, six, seven, eight points up at the time. So your first thing is right. Let's just get through this game and let's just hope it didn't cost the team. We'll say you know. So thankfully we won that game. Um, but unfortunately, back in two thousand nine, it wasn't the one game. You were gone for four weeks. So this was, um, you know, the the Northern final was two weeks later, and and um and the county final was two weeks after that. So I missed two games. We'll say. And I remember even in the media and the papers at the time, they were saying like, "Jesus, you know, a red card." Like, there's plenty of times I probably should have got red cards, Eddie, but that was probably one that I I, I shouldn't have. Um, but I suppose you take a step back, then you're you're like, right, I've got my red card. We're in an order final. Um, am I going to be a loss? Probably a little bit of a loss. Um, but at the same time, like, what can I do now to to help the team? What what what's my role going to be now? Same as if you broke your hand or pulled your hamstring or whatever it is, your 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 role changes. So. I suppose I would have just, um, I, I don't think I've ever trained as hard as I did in that four weeks, even though I wasn't playing. I knew I was going to have no involvement. I knew I was done. I knew um, I was out and that was it. Um, but but That must have been awful hard though. Ah, it was. Of course it was. Like Jesus, it's, looking back now, you kind of laugh at it. But at the t- when you're living in it at that moment, it's, it's um, that's very tough because all your life is hurling and, and it's your club and it's your family and it's your parish and, you know, I said the, the initial thing was I didn't want to let the team down in terms of getting sent off, getting through that game. And the next one, then we played um, I think it was up in Freshford against um, against Bennis Bridge and Tommy Farrell, who is the all time top scorer, goals in junior hurling at Kilkenny. I think he scored a hat trick that day. We got through to the final. Um, and then it's just, you know, um, to be fair, John O'Neill in Callan, a brilliant hurler as well. John was captain of the Callan team and he was centre back and he broke his foot, I think. And I was centre six. So you had a situation where you went into a county final, the captain of Callan, their number six. I was the captain of Skiok, our number six. And between suspensions and injuries, neither of us were playing. So probably we we negated each other out, myself and John being off. And uh, looked to Scott, but he's just played amazingly well. Went on to win the game, and it was um, 
yeah, some journey. But this personal level disappointing. But from an actual from the club, oh, it was just where, where unbelievable. Was it, like Michael Cromeloni at nineteen yeah. came in and played centre back yeah. in that game, which was yeah. a pretty baptism of fire. For oh him. yeah, but Crow was an unbelievable hurler. Is an unbelievable hurler. But back then, like you never had any doubts in terms of his. Uh, he might have been young, but he was he was all there. Like he was just a proper proper hurler. Um, so I wouldn't have had any worries about Krogan. I think he had been playing midfield or something all along, and he went back in centre back. Um, but I suppose my my role in the week of it is, you know, just talking to a few players privately and just egging them on and just you know, just 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 trying to motivate him and and trying to be there and 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 um, yeah. Look, it was a, a special moment actually afterwards. Um, I think it was nine sets of brothers or something on the panel. It was unbelievable. So I remember there was a photo outside, and there was there was the Foley's and the Dials and the Clears and Maloney's, all the different families that were all kind of related. We'll say so it was a real family family situation. And whatever happened anyway, um, I remember coming in through Nolan Park. We'll say through through the the the, the old dugouts. We'll say the, the newer ones are there now, but through, through under the under the under the old stand and walking back in and just open the door and um. I think the boys had the cup out in the middle, Eddie. And they were all sitting around and they just roared and roared and roared. It's just unbelievable. Brilliant. Unbelievable, yeah. And for me, that was that was everything there, you know. So nothing else mattered really at that time because, you know, we had, an, we had three or four of the best days crack you'll ever have. But that for me was the moment that it wasn't about me as a person or it wasn't about um, anything. It was just about the club and your family and your parish and your community. And oh, I just... But see, sometimes chap people don't realise and it's it's something like I, I love hearing your thoughts on this and, and what you're saying because you lived it mm. but I've seen it with players leading up to games and it happens a player might get sent off a player might pull a hamstring a player mm. might break a hand mm. and their reaction and mm. how they hold themselves in that three or four weeks leading up to mm. a county final can actually influence the whole panel and, and I love to hear someone like you saying that you went to the field and you never trained as hard as you trained for them four weeks because there was another thing that you could have done and that was turned up to the field and sulked mm. and whinged and poor me poor me and now a club's county final becomes all about poor chap that doesn't get to play in the club county mm. final and at the end of the day we win together and we lose together Absolutely, yeah. and I think young players coming up can learn an awful lot like I know for people say the first one means the most. I know some people will say the last one means the most. But for me, to hear you saying and, and to see the passion in what you're saying, I have no doubt that that third county title means as much, if not more, to you than the other two. Yeah, more. Even though you mm. didn't, on the day, hurl that match. Yeah, actually more, believe it or not. Uh, 98 was unbelievable because I was on a young lad read. I didn't really know. I was only 15. So literally you're just... It's, everything is just unbelievable. I don't remember much of it. 2002, um, as I said to you, I would have been one of the main players. I would have been man of the match in the Northern Replay, man of the match in the final. You know, would have would have would have you know got called into the Canadian 21s in the back of it. You know, so I would have been, you know, really really strong in terms of of physically doing something on the day. But 2009, um, and I always talk about the journey. So obviously everyone wants to win, but for me it's never been about. You know how many medals you have, or many. It's always about the journey, and that journey for me in two thousand and nine uh, was just incredible because it, 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 I suppose, it showed me how much I love my club as as you should, but it also showed me how much that it wasn't, um, it was it was bigger than hurling, it was bigger than than a chap or a, a Sean or a whoever it was. You know, it it was 
everything to that club and those people and to see older people and the likes of Maggie Jordan all over, just the joy it brought them so it wasn't a matter like looking back now you know like it, it, I, I, can't, I couldn't even name the, the team for you whatever who scored yeah. you know but it, it, it was the journey and it was I think the fact that you're kind of that something like that happened makes it even more important because you know if it was just a normal year and you go win it it's not and stands out whereas you know a big moment like that like being sent off you know it, it's real character building as well and you learn a lot about yourself um, outside of hurling that you can use as well so no it, it, that, that for me the 2009 win from a club perspective was more special because I felt I was I was a leader on the team I was a senior player um, I had I had been through the journey before as a kind of a you know a 15-year-old not knowing any different, a 19-year-old um, kind of still not really knowing much different but just loving my hurling. But at that stage, I was captain at the time um, and, you know, initially thinking you've let everybody down to then the unbelievable relief of actually we did it, like, you know, so that was, I know it was a relief or whatever but it was it was lovely anyway. One of the, one of the people you touched on um when you talked about the the junior, because we're going to be switching across to your county mm. career mm. as well, um, and, but, <laughs> yeah. but we do need we do need. Have we have time? Have we? Yeah, <laughs> but we, we will be we will be switching over to talk about your time with Kilkenny because that's a fairly illustrious role of honour for you yourself as well. To be fair, but at the, at the club, at your own club, the the manager that you kind of speak about there, who who had two stints with you, um, I I've been lucky enough to talk to the Camogie girls. Um, over the last number of months since they've won the All-Ireland and the big thing coming back was the impact mm. that, that that Pat O'Neill had on them mm. um, and, and and people can sometimes overstate the importance of trainers yeah. and managers and stuff but sometimes they can understate it too but but Pat O'Neill he would have got him very early in his time yeah. because he would have only just probably he probably had only just retired he must have been just retired he could train my Leinster Rangers for a year um, or two and then he came over to us initially and then obviously he had a bit of a break and came back the second time as well but um, but for, for me Pat O'Neill like first of all as a coach I, I, I just like I just like him he's a bit of a rogue he's a bit of a devil um, he's very much his own man but Jesus he, he is he's an amazing coach uh, he's an amazing coach and where he was brilliant for me is um, I just loved going down to train when Pat O'Neill was there because it was just different every time it wasn't a case you were going down when you do a few laps do your match or you could be going down one night and you could end up playing rugby you could play Aussie rule it could be anything it was just it was just different it was just fresh it was just exciting and obviously for me personally and I know most of the players we had huge respect for him as well because he had been there he'd done it he won an All-Ireland in 92-93 managed a match in All-Ireland final so he had the he wasn't just coming in talking he had been there he had, he had done it Um, and I'm sure he probably did things that you know, his first a couple of years management is like anything. I'm sure he has changed his style and his philosophy over the last number of years. But, but he was tough. He was he was strict. Um, but he was great crack. And I I I really really enjoyed playing under him. And I learned a huge amount actually in terms of from a coaching perspective. He's probably the best coach. The two biggest influences in my career as a hurler uh, would have been Pat O'Neill, the coach, and Martin Fogarty, um, the coach. They were the two people that that developed me, I suppose, as a player, as a person. Um, and that would have most respect for in terms of helping me uh, in my career, you know. Yeah, obviously, uh, yeah. Obviously, the underage, your own club guys come up are amazing. But just in terms of, you know, really getting the most out of you and, and clicking into your your the psychology side, those two for me were were incredible. And and and, and with Pat, like. I would assume Martin and Pat are very different in completely. their style. Yeah, no, completely. That's, 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 that's and, and, and that's the thing; they're two complete. I mean, Pat would be, um, he'd be raw, he'd be gruff, but he, um, you know, he there's there's just a, a bit of div- there's that bit of crack in Pat as well. That bit of um, 
cheekiness with everybody. He's, ju- he's just, he was a brilliant trainer, brilliant coach, and he had everybody excited and everybody eating out the palm of his hand. Martin Fogarty would be much more, much more, I suppose, subdued, much more, um, you know, softly, softly, but there was a fire in him as well or whatever, you know. So it's just interesting that my two, the two people that had the biggest impact on me uh, on my career and that I enjoyed playing under the most were so different. I mean, absolutely chalk and cheese. Um, but I suppose they both got the best out of me in terms of they knew how to psychologically wind me up or, or rein me in, depending on which, which, how I was feeling on any particular day, you know. Yeah, and just just moving away from the club side of it, uh, you know, because uh, the coaching side of it is is, is a vital yeah. thing. Um, Martin Fogarty's coaching, you know, I, I suppose I, the, the word to use it the level that Martin Fogarty has seen at anyway is mm. he's, he's, he's kind of widely mm. regarded as probably mm. the best in the mm. business um, the Shefflin man is Tommy is now yeah, yeah. Is, is, is the new up and coming but, yeah. but it, it's just an interesting one Pat O'Neill from not being at a training session and not being ever there when Pat was there and just listening to you and the lads talk about him and listening to the, the, the Camogie players talking about him the emphasis seemed to be on work rate and the tackling Always, yeah. you know it and and sometimes people can lose the run of themselves with tactics. I, I I spoke to a guy last week, um, on the podcast, and I asked him, "Are the slitters too light? Are the hurls mm. too good? Because yeah. the ball's flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Do we need cornerbacks anymore? Because there's yeah. boys are shooting from ninety yards. Yeah. And the point that he'd made back to me was that stop messing with the rules and stop messing with the hurls and slitters. They're fine. But he said the next time a lad gets seven points in a match from play get the lad that was marking him and drag him off mm-hmm. the field and ask him what mm-hmm. was he doing yeah. for the last hour while his yeah. player you know if you're playing corner back and the corner forward heads sure. out to the 70 and hits the ball yeah. over the bar and unless you're a complete yeah. dope yeah. you need to go out and pick him up yeah. and was was that kind of Pat's philosophy on it that you had to do your job you had to mark tight your, your absolutely he, he, was, he was you know he was work rate was huge with Pat right uh, everybody had to work and give it 100% all the time Um every single training session so the corner forwards weren't too fond of him because a lot of them didn't like chasing back or, or hooking or blocking but he really emphasised that and really drove that home uh, but also like he's just simple little coaching so I'll give an example we would have had a corner back for years Charlie Ryan grey hurler um, but I remember Pat one day we were in a training session and he, he, he blew us all up and brought us all in and Charlie used to be corner back he'd catch an old ball and he'd make a run and he'd drive the ball 80 yards out over the sideline and everyone would be like well done Charlie you're a great player but actually what Pat got Charlie to change was instead of catching the ball and driving out over the, the, the sideline, give a sideline cut to them, to just you know look for the next man, look for the wing back, look to the centre back and give a short little hand pass and let them drive it up. And all of a sudden Charlie went from being um, one-dimensional, getting the ball right over the sideline, to all of a sudden turning into a super, super corner back because he just now knew when he had the ball he was to go to number five or go to number six and give him a quick hand pass and he just gave him another option. So sometimes you underestimate the, the importance of the coaching um, you just presume that players know what to do whereas a lot of time actually they don't um, but when you actually teach them and you show them it's not saying look you, you need to go over there and, and, and do this it's actually this is what you need to do uh, and, and, and teach them that way so so in terms of that perspective Pat would have brought us on, on so much because we would have just got cuter and because of the intensity of training and the physicality of training everything was done at speed so your touch had to be good because if it wasn't you were going to get cleaned over by the lad coming behind you and if you were corner forward and you weren't chasing back the whole session was stopped and you were going doing sprints and everyone was getting onto that player usually Tommy Farrell uh, not bothering you know what I mean so that's just the the, the way it was you know and um but very, very intense, but oh, incredibly enjoyable, yeah. And switching from 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 your club side of it yeah. to to the county, yeah. um, 
you know, like you you've six All Ireland medals at senior, I think. You've six senior All Ireland. No, medals. no, two, so two, two senior All Ireland medals. Yeah. Two hundred twenty-one All Ireland medals yeah. and two intermediate All Ireland medals. You have six yeah. in, in two totally. interfirms as well. Yeah, no, we don't we don't count well. the interfirms. We, we have two interfirms <laughs> there. I see it there. We, it, it actually is there. They were the best crack. They were the best but, crack. But um, another one of our guests previously had said to us that he enjoyed playing the interfirms. Um, oh, amazing! I asked him why were they stopped, and do you know what he said? He said they were stopped because the lads that didn't make the interfirm teams were whinging about to crack the lads on them or oh, having. No, is it, that it, the case? Oh, look, I've won. I won two interfirms with Bank of Ireland. And uh, we bet having more or Glan B and one of them. I can't even remember who we bet in the other one, but the crack we had. We I remember the first Interference final was down in Puck on Shane McGowan's club down in um, in Tipperary under lights, and uh, oh, it was just amazing. I mean, the team we had would have been phenomenal. We would have had Eamon Corcoran and Owen Kelly and um, Ger Hegarty, Garrow's father would have been on it at the time. Would have been coaching unbelievable. So it was just incredible teams. Um, but the, the the sessions in terms of the crack and the bit it was just and amazing. Michael Dignan now was who was talking to us last week yeah. and Michael had said the same I think yeah. he was playing with Bank of Ireland as well he was Mike, Michael was AAB because we used to have these tournaments against uh, every year we, I, I remember actually one of my first ever I remember I was I was 17 years of age Eddie uh, 2000 I was working in Bank of Ireland up in Dublin and Kilkenny uh, were in the All-Ireland final 2000 pit offly and we had the Interfirms week was the weekend of the All Ireland. Not the Interfirms, the Interbank. So you had Ulster Bank, which would have had Sean Ogahalpi and all them. You would have AIB, would have had you know Dignan and all that crowd. They would have Bank of Ireland. But at that stage in two thousand, we'll say when I started, I mean these would have been the most illustrious. Play- I remember sitting in the dressing room. Eddie. I'm seventeen years of age. I didn't make the Kilkenny panel that year. Minor. Right, and I'm sitting in the dressing room looking over, and I see Rod Guiney, and I see Joe Dean, and I see I think it was Mark Foley from Limerick, and the three boys are sitting there, and the three of the man of the match watches, and I'm sitting there in the middle of the <laughs> thinking, what the hell is going on here? Um, and I remember, I'll, I'll never forget, I remember um, Humphrey Kelleher was trainer of bank, he was a Dublin manager as well, maybe ten or fifteen years ago, brilliant guy, uh, but Humphrey liked to cut me anyway, and I remember the very first game I played for the bank, I started centre forward, and the brilliant, unbelievable hurler Kevin Broderick was a sub. It's just crazy, like you know. Now Asian Rowan was in goal as well at the same time, so we weren't that good. Um, but we, um, we, we, we had some some matches, some it was battles. Pure social. Pure? No, no, no. Very, very competitive. Well, I'm sure it was competitive when the whistle got blown. Yeah, yeah. But 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 pure. So we we went all over the, the world and the country. I mean, we went. We used to go to Kinsale. Um, I remember I went to Australia, New Zealand with the bank playing hurling. Liam Sheedy would be out there. A great man by the name of Tony Delaney played full back for Toomey Var. I think he won eleven county championships. Um, Garo Clear Kenny would have been on it. Eamon Corkin would have been a great friend of mine he was on it just you know 21 days out in New Zealand Australia we played local teams out there we played um, how old were you going out there oh I'll tell you 2005 right so the year before I got called into the Kenny Senior Panel uh, officially um, we play an Northern Final so I'm in the bank five years at this stage we'll say and I've been we knew this trip was coming so we measured up for the suits and all this sort of stuff in February March oh this is phenomenal this is pre uh, pre what's it called pre um Pre the good times, we'll say this is you know this is everything's flying high. So we're going great. We were measured up for the suits, good to go, and um, we have our dates. But should don't Scott go on an unbelievable run, and the championship is delayed to thousand and five. Don't know why it was delayed, but it was just delayed. And we win our first round, win our second round, and we're playing a northern final against Bennis Bridge, um, in two thousand and five. I'm supposed to be flying out on Monday to Australia. We're playing the northern final on a Saturday. We're winning by three points with five minutes to go, six minutes to go. They scored the last four points in a row to win. The winning point is scored by Ladai Markin. Puts it over the bar. We lose. We you lose. We lose, we lose in our final. Everyone is absolutely gutted. I'm gutted. I'm sick because my man has actually done it. And I forget all about it. I go home and then I get, fo- you know, 
10 o'clock that night I'm just checking to see Jesus I forgot because I was fully convinced we were going to win it like that we were I wasn't going but I didn't tell them officially so um, that was on Saturday Saturday night I'm out having a few pints in Gorse Bridge with the lads I'm thinking Jesus I'm going I'm, I'm going on Monday Monday morning I'm up with the boys in Dublin and uh, 45 is herders and footballers um, and we're off to, to Australia and off to New Zealand amazing Perth uh, down to Sydney just Probably phenomenal. made you get over the defeat a bit quicker. Well, Bennis Bridge betters and then Thomastown hammered Bennis Bridge in the final so I didn't feel too bad because Thomastown were an unbelievable team as well at the time in 2005. Um, so yeah, definitely made it go over quicker and I suppose it was easier because I was kind of, you know when you lose a game you're always sulking and whinging the first week or two was usually very difficult so for me it was great to just get away from all that and just go on a new adventure and a new journey and it was just phenomenal. Um, I remember one of the nights the, um, the uh, Ireland were playing the Aussie Rules out there at the time, 2005. So they were playing in the Subiaco, Subiaco Stadium in Perth. Ireland were playing um, the compromise rules and they got hammered the same night. And we were there and we this is the first time we go to a match and you can actually drink on the, in the stands like, you know what I mean? Because you couldn't do that in Crow Park or anywhere before. So we're all really fine. So we're all done up to the last in our suits. We've had a match earlier on that day against the Defence Forces and here we are, 45 is up in the Subiaco Stadium um, in Perth and we're like, right, this is unbelievable. Ireland are getting hammered game is maybe 40, 50 points down we're like this is absolute crap like because football in itself is tough to watch but compromise rules when you're getting bit by 20, by 20 <laughs> points is not not simple right so a few of us are right look we're out here so we make our way down and we're leaving the Subiaco Stadium and there's about say a few lads stayed a few of the football lads the hurlers were always a bit wilder than the footballers anyway but a few of the footballers stayed but most of the hurlers were making their way down and we're coming out of the Subiaco Stadium we're saying to the guard where's the nearest place like and they say oh, over there the Subiaco Hotel so we make our way over anyway and we go to the door and the bouncer's like, uh, all right, bo- you know, all right, boys. And we're like, oh, well, how are we going? Uh, where are you coming from? I know we're just after playing the match up there. But because we're all dressed in the suits, they thought we were the Irish compromise rules team. We're just after playing the match up there. Oh, in you come, in you come. <laughs> so we went back into this big special, this, the Subiaco Hotel bar. We're drinking like mad. Um, the, we, you know, I was Sean Cavanagh for the night. We had a red-haired chap. He was the gooch. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, and so the crack is going on. The crack is mighty. Um everything is going great there's people coming up getting photos with us and we're like thumbs up and we're nobody's like we're just a few lads out and everything is grand everything's going great and talk is getting around you see all the Aussie guys looking over pointing so we're kind of like Jesus we've made it here everyone's going great until they put a replay of the match up on the big screens <laughs> and we're like we gotta get out here really quick which one are you which on us me in the back I was, I was resting there for that one so we had to just get out of Dodge it was just there was there because was, we were getting free drink and everything it was unbelievable like it was just so they're the kind of types of stories that we had um, I remember Liam Sheedy good old buddy of mine Liam, Liam was on that trip with us as well he was a player at the time and um, Liam went out to um, it was Liam's birthday one of the days on a Monday morning and we went to Dorothy Nelly's pub in, in, in Sydney and um, we were there from around 11 or 12 o'clock in the day and it was just you know phenomenal crack unbelievable so we played a couple of hurling matches but it was the relationships and the friendships you build up with people from outside your county and you grow up quick um, but yeah the ba- bank was some amazing time so the two interfirms and the players we had like Tommy and Henry and Michael Kavanagh and Mark Foley, Rod Guiney at the time was an unbelievable hurler. Uh, just unbelievable, like. And unbelievable. Coming back out of it, yes. the Interfirms then. No, genuinely, because yeah. it's like these are all, this, this is what it's all about. Like, this is why we get involved with the GA. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I often say this to lads everyone gets involved in the GA for. The, the friendship the, mm. the bonds we build the whole lot mm. very few people are going to win All-Ireland titles mm. very few people are going to represent their county but we all we're all in it for the same reason mm. and it's for the enjoyment side of it but it must have been a, a massive big thing for you for Blacks and Whites GEA Club and for your family um, 
when you did get that call to be brought into the Kilkenny uh, panel, do, do you remember how that all started or what yeah, happened? Yeah, I do, I do, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I would have hurled under 14, under 16 for two years all along. And then when it came to minor, um, I guess we would have won the under 16. So I was captain of the, of the Kilkenny North team, which pretty much would have meant you should be straight, if you're captain of the North, you should be straight onto the, if not the team, definitely the panel. But for some reason, and look, obviously I wasn't good enough, but I didn't make the minor team that year and I didn't make it the following year. So I never hurled minor for Kilkenny. Um, and then the year after I, I just wasn't in the periphery we won the county final Martin Fogarty rings me and says Jesus will you come in and join the under 21 squad I do um, unbelievable bunch of players will say we we um, th- that team three years previously had lost to Westmead the first team in 10 years that didn't win a Leinster minor, minor uh, but unbelievable characters on it. but we won first round of the championship against Offaly we were going to win the All-Ireland in 2003 and uh, 2004 we back it up again with another All-Ireland and like you're talking Jackie, JJ, Tommy, Lark like you're talking her, Michael Finney Hurlers of the Year all over his phenomenal team phenomenal squad um, so from 03, 04 in 2003 I went in to make up the numbers maybe a couple of times in 04 I made up the numbers a couple of times and actually I remember in 2003 the very first train I went in I, I don't remember anything of it uh, the only thing I remember is Charlie Carter was captain at the time before he went went, yeah. went away and DJ ended up being captain but Charlie was captain and Charlie was sitting down and I just he was just he knew obviously I would have been coming in and would have been nervous only making up the numbers but he could not have been nicer I can't remember what he said I can't remember what he did but I just remember for some reason Charlie Carter was a gentleman to me the day I went in just saying how are you getting on and you looked after did you get your Luke said you know he just put an arm around me and just looked after me for maybe 10 seconds is all he did but he just made me feel at home straight away that day and that was that was that's all I can remember for 03 so then 04 I'm calling to the Waters Cup squads but I'm never really properly on it and then 05 I'm, I'm finished with under 21s at this stage I've won the two All-Irelands my career is over you could say um, inter-county level um, and Martin Fogarty has been called in as trainer or coach we'll say with Michael Dempsey and they've been involved with Kenny 03 and 04 um, so I would have worked with Martin and make they would have known what it was like um, and in 2005 um, I was called in on a couple of occasions to make up numbers as I said and I was all set to go to a stag party in, in Cardiff a friend of mine was getting married all of us all set to go and um, we're, we're getting a boat over and it's going to be great crack and you know two days and it's going to be brilliant and I get a phone call on we'll say the, so we're going to get the boat on Friday morning I get a phone call on the Tuesday or the Wednesday and it's Martin Fogarty and he's there uh, right chap how are you fixed uh, would you come in and make up the numbers I said yeah no bother um, when he said, "Oh no, this this weekend or whatever." I said, "Jez Martin," I said, "I I can't. I'm going to I'm going to a stag like because there any what's the point of me going in and just, you know, can you get anyone else like to, you know, I I'm, I've plans kind of a thing." And I'd always said yes every single time. He said, "Look," he said, um, "You know the the boss man like you know he don't want he doesn't want to bring in the under twenty one because he wants to get a man or somebody physical in there." We'll say you know, and he said, "Look, will you, will you come?" And I said, "Look, of course we'll." So cancelled the whole, didn't go on the stag, missed all that or whatever. Um, went in for the training weekend was up in City West 31 players were up there I was the one um, so when the match was on it was 15 versus 15 and I'm standing there um, I think Peter Barry got injured after 10 or 15 minutes and I come in and play the game part um, so I really was on the periphery I would say you know? but that was a great experience because I got that weekend with all the players Yeah. Um, and we lose the Northern Final 2005 I go off to Australia for 3 weeks I come back a couple of pounds heavier um, everything is great and I get a phone call in in November, December, and it's Brian Cody. I got two phone calls from Brian Cody in my life. The first one was to say, um, you know, we really like you to come and join the panel. And the second one was, thanks for your service. Um, we're making a couple of changes. Um, 
best looking future. You know, so it was a, but that phone call, in the first phone call in 2005, even though I'd been in making up numbers, like that was, that was huge, you know. And, um, and, and just, just with that team and, and with Brian Cody, because like obviously you were there, you have two All-Ireland medals mm. uh, that, you, that you earned and, and, and won with that team. What was it like in amongst that? You know, like I hear talking to Owen Larkin and, and talking to Richie Power and, and, and they kind of refer to this kind of a, like this bubble that you're in, oh, it's yeah. that that county bubble, the camaraderie there. I mean, Owen Larkin was a pains to tell us when we spoke with him that how hard he had worked. He said for this the year, I think he won her of the year. I, I'm going to say you got married in what year? Oh seven. And he got her of the year. I think that F- year, following year, yeah, 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 yeah. The only yeah. time he had a drink or came home was yeah, for yeah, your wedding. That's right, um, yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. so obviously. The, the friendships that were were founded there yeah. you know he's that was only a couple of weeks back he was yeah. r- reminiscing on old yeah. times and he'd said it but being a part of that 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 time like what was it like um in there was it was it was it really really intense or it was well for, it was incredibly exciting first of all because um i think that year he brought in nine or ten um players so obviously 2005 Kilkenny lose to Galway in that mad game i think it was 518 to 418 yeah, the phenomenal game and um Brian hadn't been happy I don't think with with a few things up until that that point and he just brought in 10 brand new players from Michael Fenley John Dalton myself Austin Murphy Clary he, he just brought in a load of uh, PJ Delaney up in up in um, Phoenix he brought in 10 players anyway into the squad and um, like that would like normally you bring in a couple every year but 10 in the one goal was a huge cult so we were very we were very naive we were very young and it was just for me I just wanted to see how far I could go on this journey and and um, Look, I, 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 yes, it was intense. You'd be, you'd be, if you had a good game, you'd be, you'd be absolutely delighted. If you had a bad game, you'd be on the floor waiting for the next one. If you had two bad games and or two bad training sessions in a row, you'd be like looking around your shoulder, or whatever, you know. So it really just was so intense. I mean, in the two years that I was, or whatever, three years, um, I was late for training once. And when I mean late for training, training was a half seven, and I remember going out into the field at twenty past seven, and that was considered, what's chap out here? Now he's, he's late. So it was just the standards were just so high, the speed of everything, the intensity, um, absolute bubble. But the crack was unreal as well. You have to remember, like you're you're playing sport and you're playing hurling, but you're doing it because you want to do it. You're doing it because you love it. And people always talk about the sacrifices and sacrificing this and sacrificing that. Um, but really, there is no sacrifice. You do it because you want to do it. Um, and the friendships are unbelievable. But the the the, the you really are in a bubble and you become very selfish and very self-absorbed and it's just you and the bubble and nothing else matters really for, for that. Now, when you when you step away from that then, you look back in and go, oh my God, I was nearly nearly brainwashed when I was in there. But while you're in it, it is the most brilliant, special place in the world to be. And how many years, how many years were you in? O- officially, um, I was officially called in in 2006 or seven, and um, I finished, well, I got, I got the, the curly finger or the chop, we'll say, in around... Um, I think sometime before the league in 2008 I'll never forget I, I was um, we trained the night before I got married in the in the November and I went off on holidays and we came back with the hurlers holidays so I had about four or five weeks of, of holidaying but I remember coming back and we trained in Kieran's College at the time and I remember we were doing this drill 200 metre sprints um, they were horrific now but I remember doing it in groups of six and um, I was absolutely bursting myself you know I was really training hard uh, I was winning all the races and Subconscious in my head I could hear him saying Just well done Jackie Or well done Tommy Whoever was in the group He was just And he never said well done to me And in my head I was thinking Jeez like I'm I'm winning these here now What's the You know So I kind of got it, Looking back now In my head I was thinking Jesus And then the next day You get the phone call And that's just 
had the papers been written out before the training session? I'd say so, yeah, I'd say so. And in my head, initially, for the first year or two, I was like, well, just why didn't you tell me the day before I could have saved myself that training session, that hardship, like, you know, because I was trying to get myself back in. But the phone call comes then, Eddie, and, um, you know, you're, like, the first feeling I had was, oh, gee, I was embarrassed, like, you know, I was I was actually, like, I, there was a friend of mine, um, a person that I worked with, and I told them first, because uh, obviously I was working that day, um, and I just thought to myself, I, I I think it was two or three days before I told anyone um, in the club or in my family. I just couldn't. I was I was mortified or embarrassed. Instead, it's like now you're looking back at it, geez. But at the time, I was. I felt like geez, I've let everyone down, or I've yeah, kind of like, it's, it, like chap. When, when you when you look at it, I suppose it's easy for someone that's not getting dropped to 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 say. I, I, I think now you're old enough to look back yeah, and say I've yeah. had such a great career and I've yeah. been very lucky and the pride mm-hmm. I've brought but like at the time you must have thought you know Cody was a bit of a a bit of a bit of a bastard really like I mean it, like that must have been pretty harsh to take I mean do, do you feel it was a little bit yeah I, I, I definitely felt a little bit cheated that, that you know you give two years of your life um, and you get a maybe a 70 or 80 second phone call like you know it, it's I would have pref- like obviously I would have preferred if he said it to me face to face put that with you um, but look you have to remember I was a bit power player I was one of, of a squad of 30 I wasn't I wasn't a Henry or a you know and they've all had their own career endings the way it did but for, but for me I I was just a little bit dis- from a man management perspective um, then, I, I wasn't going to change his mind no, but, but I would have liked to have been told the night you know after the training like, or face to face maybe there's no question in his brilliance as a trainer and a coach and I'm mm. definitely not going to question it now yeah, yeah. but what I would say to you is as a person yeah. you were training on Tuesday night yeah. he rings you on Wednesday to say that you're no longer required yeah. the decision was clearly made yeah. if you've had a good training yeah, yeah, session yeah would would you not think a player deserves the respect to be sat down in a dressing room and say, "Listen, can we have a chat here for a minute?" And yeah, him around the shoulder. I know a fella told me before when you're dropping a player, as in from a match, yeah, whether you put your arm around him, yeah, and drop him, yeah, or yeah. you tell him he's useless yeah. and drop him, yeah. the outcome is still the same, yeah. But in, in that sense, where you're being left out of a panel, yeah. it was told like I, I like you know when you're not expecting it, um, I think is is the biggest thing. I mean, if I was told, "Chap, you're under pressure here. You're not playing well." Know, you you need a big two or three weeks, and then if you don't, you know you you you, you know what's coming. But I genuinely didn't uh, think it was coming because I was actually beginning to get the fitness back, and I was, you know, I was I, I would have in my own head, but sure, other lads tell you other things. But um, yeah, that that phone call is 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 not the one you want to get. But but in the benefit of time, then uh, you look back and you think, Jesus, you know, that man is a very tough job to do. He's had whatever 100, 200 players go through his fingers, and he doesn't. He doesn't get close to, to players because that's just the, the, his the style and the way he is. Well. Uh, but to be fair, Martin Fogarty would have rang me afterwards. And um, again, Martin would have been, you know, you could see nearly a fatter figure to me in the hurling side. He would have been, you know, and he was, especially with the periphery players, Martin would have been great. He really would have been good at keeping you motivated and just a phone call here or keep it going or you're going well or, you know, he just would have been very good at keeping you, um, you know, keeping you going but I remember Martin ringing me afterwards and he said you know Jesus as well he said you got the call I said yeah 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 he said, how are you and I said look because Martin would have been very you know I said look yeah sure look it is what it is and obviously gutted but sure look da, 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 what could I say like you know and he said to me look he says you mightn't think of it but you know it's not easy on the big man either you know so I suppose when Martin said that to me I would have thought well actually do you know what it's probably not like I'm obviously disappointed but sure as you said there's no nice way to tell somebody we don't want you anymore so sometimes maybe it's like a plaster maybe just a quick no is get it out like you know so but when Martin said that to me about you know it's not it's not easy on the big man either I mean I suppose he's probably had 
like before me you would like there's so many great players never mind me a, a bit power player but some brilliant players um went and, and and even after me went as well so it's um i'm just delighted now looking back like some people say you know i, I know for a fact i absolutely overachieved <laughs> in my <laughs> career um and it's great now to have that knowing that jesus i was some people say jesus it's a pity you were around when the Kilkenny team was so good and you never really and i actually look at the complete opposite way and say jesus wasn't i so lucky to be around when Kilkenny were so good and they were probably the greatest team of all time in that oh, 06 or 07 or 08 or 09 that I was for a small time part, played my little part in that whether it be making up the numbers in training or 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 carrying the water whatever it was that I, I in my head I played my little part and I got to experience all those great things with those players so no 100% and it's it's something that that no one and uh, and, and nothing can ever take away from you I mean I I know at least 5000 people that, <laughs> yeah. I have, that I have that I could ring tomorrow morning that it's swap with yeah. you and, and the only thing with the club as well just bringing back the club for a second blacks and whites I mean you go to James Stevens you go to Ballyhale and there's there's literally hundreds of all Ireland medals in those parishes in blacks and whites uh, and even still to this day, it's the first ever senior all medal that has come into the club, and the second. We've never known as whether it be panel or player, known as everyone a senior medal all in the club. So I think there's only five or six players have actually won all Ireland medals at any level. So for me to be able to to be the part, the only person as it stands right now to have an all Ireland medal at adult level, at senior level, is. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, it is it's, nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's great. And of course, the ambition is that we'll have fifty or sixty in the club, hopefully, in the next. Well, the, the talent is like the, the young lads coming through, and like there, there's guys there to have the ability. I was very lucky. I got the break at the right time. That Martin Fogarty happened to be at a a match that I played well in, and got the call into the under twenty ones, and made my um, got a bit of luck and got a run of it. And he happened to go into the seniors at the same time. So I was just lucky to be in the right place at the right time because it was far better horrors than me out there that didn't get called in. Um, but look, I'll, I'll take it. There's, there's there's two or three other things that yep. I want to ask you before we finish up, yep. and I, I I just want you to be as honest as yep. you can. Um, you got married, and then pretty soon after you got married, you got dropped off the Kilkenny panel. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying that Brian Cody dropped you because you got married, mm. but but I, I'm definitely not saying that actually. Just, <laughs> just in case I am met by Brian Cody going down the road now, but but. I, I, I do wonder I, when I spoke to Owen Larkin Owen Larkin said that his year when he won Hurler of the Year when he was after been out in Kosovo or Lebanon mm. he was able to train like a professional Full athlete time, yeah. for, for eight or nine months and, and, and I kind of wondered is inter-county hurling at that level is it like could you like you've three daughters or four daughters four yeah, four, yeah. like I want you to try and imagine what it would have been like being married with maybe your first child or your second child like, is it possible to get that balance where you could actually be an intercounty senior hurler with a wife, two kids, a full time job, and and still play for the Kenny Senior Hurling team? Like, yeah, I, I I don't think so. The way the game has gone, I really don't think so. You probably like back then you might have got away with barely, but now when you look at the, I suppose the conditioning, the work that to do, the pre seasons, the like, it's just. It's a huge commitment and something has to give whether it be your job or whether it be your family life and you'll do that for, for so long but after a while um, you'll take a step back and you'll say well you know what you know, my family is more important. You can't keep saying no to your family all the time um, and putting her in first. So I, I don't think it's possible to be um, married with three kids and be at the top of your getting the GA at the moment the way it is. I don't think it's possible. The, the, the last two questions I want to push on. First of all we're, we're going into the sixth year now with Kilkenny not winning a senior yeah. Ireland title um, you, you know what what needs to happen or what needs to change there I know the simplest thing is you need to beat Limerick but yeah. but 
is there something that needs, is, is this just a cycle? Is this a cycle or is it something more worrying than that or, or what needs to happen or change? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good point. I mean, Kilkenny have obviously, you know, the Brian Cody, the, the, the first of Brian Cody's years, we'll say from 99 till 2015, till last I learned, I mean, we were spoiled. We, we, we were incredible, not just in terms of what we won um, as a county, but the, the players at the disposable. I mean, you, you like you're talking about Larky and Tommy and Henry and like, Teach like the unbelievable players, like once in a generation stuff, and they all happened to come together pretty much at the one time. But what was happening here all along is Kenny were winning, and not so much minor. I don't really count minor that much because so much can change from a young kid from 17, 18, 19 to go to college to their world changes, whatever you know. But particularly the under 21 grade, when Kenny were, were winning 03, 04, 06. They had that conveyor belt coming through, whether it be TJ and Richie Hogan or whether it be Michael Fenley. And I don't think Kenny have won under 21 in a long, long time. And I think, um, I suppose, the first thing is the conveyor belt is not there, but I, I don't think, because we're not competing on a regular basis at under 21, and uh, I, I think that's having a huge detriment. Um, like, the the players are will always give it everything under Brian Cody. They'll always do do everything that they have to, but the, if the conveyor belt is not there, uh, and I suppose you, you have to go back to the underage structure, and I mean, when I was young, like growing up in the in the 90s and the early 90s, in terms of, develop, there was no such thing as development camps, it was, it was, you basically had a, a North and South Kilkenny team, and that came together every now and again, and, and played each other, and that was it. But now, you have under 13, and you have an amber squad, and a black squad, and a blue squad, and a pink squad, and, and you have nearly 100 kids under 13 that are all playing for Kilkenny, we'll say as such. And it kind of has taken the, the I suppose, the what I would feel is it's taken a little bit of the... The gloss off. The gloss off, because nearly everybody has played on, on trials for Kilkenny underage, or on these amber squads, or black squads, um, whereas it actually should be so much the pinnacle that, you know, it should be, this is up here. And you have to work so, so hard to get up there. But all these development squads, um, it hasn't really worked the way, the, way, the way it should have. There's that, number one. And then the number two is, I would see right now from a coaching perspective, and I know Kieran Maldowney's gone in and he, he'll do a great job, but there are brilliant hurlers that have finished their careers in the last five or six years. And how they haven't been, how the county board haven't tapped them up and tried to use those resources and get it back into the underage is beyond me because... You, you won't find another county in the country that would have the depth of experience and talent and skill sets, the knowledge to you know the the, the, the knowledge of winning, um, what it takes, and what they can bring to under thirteen, under fourteen, or sixteen is is amazing. And you see all the coach, you see Larky's going with Bannon Killen, and you see McFenley up at Offaly, and you see Eddie up in Dublin now, Kula, Henry with Tom, you know, all these brilliant coaches, and. For me, if I was the CEO of 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 Kilkenny uh, County, but what I'd be saying is, let's reach out to all those people that have 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 been really successful, that have won things, and let's try can we get them back involved in the underage structure, in the under twelves, under fourteens, under sixteens, and build from there, because the 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 expertise is there, but it's just to uh, to harness it, and it's not going to happen overnight, and we're probably going to be in the wilderness for for a while in terms of you know how strong that Limerick team is. Um, now that's not saying they're going to win every year, but th- that is an incredibly strong Limerick team, um, and it's going to take a fair team to to beat them. So it could be another, you know, it could be another couple of years before Kilkenny are are uh, are competing in another and final again. I'd say it's it is it's 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 a fair point you make about the the raw talent there. Um, I I know one thing that was said to me before was sometimes that when you get a run of a player, a, a nucleus of a team, there's probably ten of them players were yeah. an integral uh-huh. part of 
the team that won say the 10 yeah. All-Irelands that, 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 that there's about 8 or 10 yeah. players that were part of that and as a result of that there's a generation of hurler that's lost because yeah. the Kilkenny panel it's not changing every 3 yeah. or 4 years it's the, yeah. it's the same group of players but I think the point that you make about these lads coming back you, you reckon it's it, it, it's it's at under fourteen and under sixteen. Oh, absolutely, at point yeah. that we need to start taking. Absolutely, it. I mean, I think it's fine to get under twenty and <laughs> seventy, but I would actually go go the whole way back down if you have these development squads. I mean, you can imagine somebody like um, take Henry for example, you know, to go in and, and and coach an under fourteen development squad or an under twelve development squad or a JJ Delaney or these guys have so much to offer the game. Um, and we probably take it for granted a little bit because we were in Kilkenny and sure, you know, JJ's JJ and Henry's Henry and Tommy is Tommy. But these guys are unbelievable. And what they could bring in terms of of knowledge, experience, skills, like giving a lift, it's unbelievable what what inspirational stuff they, they could bring to it. And I, I, as I said to you, there are so many players. I mean, there's probably 100 players that have played championship under Brian Cody. I mean, surely to God, they can make contact with those and there could be eight or 10 or 12 that would, would be bursting at the chance. All they need to be is, is asked. Um, but I really think that there's a there's a big deficit there at the moment um, in terms of, of, of that part. And then the second part then is, is, you know, other counties have stepped up to the plate big time too. And they've put their structures in place. And Kilkenny was the mecca going back to the late 90s, early noughties, but we kind of stayed still a little bit. And other counties, you know, be financially down Limerick, yeah, they caught up and passed out and we kind of kept doing the same thing. So if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got, you know. So we need to change um, what we're doing uh, because like the nucleus there, the, we're, we're, we're great hurlers, um, but it's just to get to get that transported and move from, we'll say, under 15 or 16 or 17 right up to, um, to senior level. And as I said, if you look at the the two hundred twenty one teams I would have been involved in, or three and or four, um, I'd say twenty of those players would have went on to play for Kilkenny, like and it went into the senior setup. Whereas if you look at the under twenty one team from three years ago, I mean, how many of them are currently with the the senior panel? You know, very few. And then just just the, the final one that I want to kind of touch on before we wrap it up for today is. It's been something that was touted about in a few of the different issues that I've yeah. done with different people over the last number of months, particularly in the last couple of weeks. It's came up every week, really, was that there's, there's a lack of games, as in, now, not to do with COVID, obviously, but yeah. there's an actual lack of competition in games that if you finish in competitions, the football championships, for example, um, and even with, I know John had pushed it hard at the last time when we spoke, John Mulhall had said it about the likes of your inter-firms, your Legends mm. Leagues, things like that. He, he felt that in some way that the GEA was kind of forcing everything towards this elitist uh, programme. So, you know, it's it's your junior championship, intermediate championship, senior championship, nothing else matters. There's no... Do, do, do you get yeah. what I'm saying? That the, yeah. Whereas if you were 15, 20 years ago, there was far more competitions. And then I know with your own club there was an issue last year where you weren't able to feel a minor team in the championship. Yeah. Um, like, you know, do you want to give me a bit of a backstory yeah. as to why and how that happens? Yeah, I suppose there, there, there's two things at play here really. The, the first of all is that smaller, like people love their identity. Their club is their life, it's their community, it's their people. So the identity of the club is so important. But clubs will have spells and will have periods where they just physically won't have the numbers to be competitive uh, or to even feel a team. Um, and we've seen in the past where you see Galmoy and Wingap, for example, have come together very successfully underage. Um, they've, they've competed in minor championships, and you know it's 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 brilliant because their players get to play and they get to play at a level that means they're competitive. So with my own club last year, Blacks and Whites didn't have enough to field a team. Um, Sleeve Roo, um, you know, twenty miles down the road, also didn't have a, a, enough players to field a team, um, and we weren't allowed to come together for the purposes of forming a team for the championship. Uh, and 
still to this day, I know th- I know for a fact that the club haven't got an actual reason why. Um, the county board has decided not to, and that's that's their decision. But there's no rule, there's no article, and there's a precedence there. It's already happened in Galway and Wenger for the last 13 years uh, or 12 years. So I don't understand how it's okay for two junior clubs to come together in one setting, do it for 10 or 11 years and no problem. And then you have two other junior clubs that are struggling for numbers, that genuinely don't have them, and they're not allowed amalgamate for the purposes of forming a team. They're now playing the league, but not in the championship. But is 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 the GA's thinking behind this that it's not the GA, it's the county board and the county board, I should say, because yeah, it's happening it's in loads of other counties, and there's no problem. You go down to Kerry. Killian Young is a good friend of mine, a footballer down there. He's from a little club called Raynard. They're a tiny little club. They haven't the hope of ever making a. a teams themselves but they combine with other rural clubs and they come together like a divisional team we'll say as such so that their players get competition at at the highest level and they can play together I, I completely understand the, the philosophy behind it I yeah. mean <clears throat> like I'm lucky enough coming from a big town yeah. the, my club we wouldn't have had to amalgamate we yeah, were yeah. a huge yeah. population yeah. but 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 if you take the, the Kilkenny GEA outlook on this is there a fear within them that if we allow if they allow say Sleeveroo and blacks and whites to combine and amalgamate that over time slowly they'll lose two clubs to one yeah do, do you get me that eventually it'll be just sleeve room yeah, yeah. And, and, and the blacks and whites whereas like like will blacks and whites have enough players to field a minor team next year not next year either but there will be some years coming where we will have enough to do it and there'll be some years where we won't so but, do, do but, you go amalgamate for the years that you can't and then Go on your own the following year, and what happens if Sleeve Rue haven't got enough players the year? The even enough players. Do yeah, you? it's it's a it's a it's a very valid point, and I suppose the the one you make in terms of um, the fear that two clubs will become one. Well, the argument I'd say back there very quickly is, well, how come Galmai and Wangap are allowed to do it, and both are very very competitive uh, at junior level, Galmai and Wangap, and it hasn't affected them. They still have their identity, but their their young kids aren't punished because they're from a small rural area. Um, the course will be years where you'll have numbers and those years are, are great but there'll be years where you, you struggle as well and a small club that's that's never going to change when you don't have the population that is never going to change and I suppose all our lads were looking for and parents and, and, and families in our club were just looking for a bit of fairness that we can't we still to this day can't understand how, how it's okay for one club uh, or, or it's okay for two clubs there to amalgamate no problem and they can compete in championships and it's absolutely no problem and then our club is is we're not allowed, but is and there's no reason. There's actually no. We've got nothing back and right to say why. And, it's and is, 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 like, is this something that um, the GEA not take the individual out? Take yeah. take blacks and whites out of it here. Is this something that Kilkenny GEA themselves or, or any county board is faced with this type of thing? Is this something that they need to look at? That surely there's enough intelligent people in clubs that the blacks and whites GEA club don't want to be conceding any of their own identity yeah. Yeah. this is a needs must here situation yeah. and, and surely the county board should try and put in type of a mechanism that we'd know by register players or whatever yeah. right we've a, we've, a, we've a small end here like I, I wondered at the time was it a geographical issue was it but, but there's been no none the, 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 the only issue we've been told is is um, absolutely you can play in the league but not in the championship and it's it's as I said to you, we're trying to find out even still under what rule, why isn't this allowed to happen? And we just keep getting lip service. We know what happens in other counties. We know you could you know beat football or hurling counties. Clubs amalgamate when they don't have numbers to to, to be competitive to field teams. That's that that's it happens nearly every county. It's happening in our own county as it is. But my own club, unfortunately, uh, we've been. I don't want to use the word discriminate because it's very strong, but it's not far off it in terms of we're allowed to play to get in the league. But those young people. Those young guys that have played at Hurling all their lives weren't allowed to play a championship Hurling 
uh, last year, and that and that's not that, and that it, that's robbed from them. That's it, they'll never get that chance back. It's it taken from them. It wasn't possibly the whole COVID scenario either. Absolutely nothing to do with COVID. Nothing okay. to do with COVID. No, it'll we'll be interesting it, to see because yeah. I'll watch how this plays out, and yeah. it's, it's something I will kind of chase up with Kenny. No, as well. definitely. And I suppose the other thing, just in terms of 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 smaller clubs, be it junior clubs. Uh, in particular but you have a situation in Kilkenny now where you have 12 or 13 junior clubs I would love to see a scenario where um, similar to what you have down in Kerry where for example four of those clubs could come together to form a divisional team for, for a senior championship to allow those those elite players in those clubs compete at, at the highest possible level like the way you have East Kerry in the football and mid, mid-divisional teams I mean if you take even you take Skiach Greig um, Paulstown and Tuller will say for example those four teams if they were to come together and you pick the best three or four of each of those teams or a panel of 20 or 24 and allow those compete at, at senior level I mean your senior championship is going to be incredibly competitive but it's going to benefit your county team because the Wally Walshers of this world are now playing senior hurling the likes of Crow Maloney and Paul, you know the Sen and Dyle Ryan Murphy those boys coming through are now playing senior championship that's going to develop them unbelievably well um, so I, I, I would see like there has to be a little bit more um, thinking outside proactivity the box. on that because you, you your creativity in the thinking because if you just you know otherwise you'll have a guy um, that'll be on a junior team he'll be going into the county he'll be playing great but he'll come back for the three or four week break he's come back to a junior club and the other guys are going back to senior clubs and in soccer terms he'll be like going back to a premiership club and the other guy come back to a division a third tier football club when those three four weeks are up and you go back in again the guy that's at the Premier League club is going to be He'll have trained or he'll been playing against people at a higher level. So I would love to see um, some form of like still playing their junior club. I, I still hold their junior identity, but that maybe three or four of the junior clubs to come together for championship purposes to allow those um, elite players play competitively and give them the chance to to play in in, in Nolan Park and maybe maybe win a county final. Th- you don't think that will be at the detriment of the junior championship either? Is it? No, because your ju- your junior championship is still going to run um, as is. This is just for the senior uh, championship, and you see the junior element then can run away whilst the senior championship is is going on or whatever. I think the split season has worked very well in terms of from the club players' perspective. I think they um, the fact that you have it clearly defined. This is the inter county. This is the club. Uh, I think that's working. And the plan is going forward. We have split season, so these are things that. Yeah, I think from a player's perspective, it's great. You know, you have your look. These are the three or four or five months we have this now. Let's go, and then the other couple of months, then you can book your holidays and book your whatever and work your way around it. The big fear now from the GEA side of it is that with the split seasons, which has already been explained yeah. to the club players, is Chap Clare on the Kilkenny Senior Hurling panel yeah. has six months off. And now we need yeah. to make sure the chap doesn't go on holidays yeah. for the club. You know, yeah. so look, hopefully they'll iron them out. The last question I leave you with is. 80 years of age chap Clare sitting down at the point Tom, Tom Walsh Park sitting up at the bar counter having a pint some young lad comes up to him and says to him what was your greatest memory? Jesus um, now, in, yeah. the, in hurling now chap I don't yeah, 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 listening yeah. baby girls and whatnot. Um It's very hard to pick out one um, for me I my greatest memory um the under twenty one All Ireland final, the very first on the thousand three, was very special. Uh, with Kilkenny, the under the the first senior, although I wasn't playing, was was two thousand six was unbelievable, and then the club, all of the club one, but particularly two thousand nine when I actually wasn't playing, th- those three for me would be the 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 pinnacle. But in terms of picking out a moment, I wouldn't pick out a moment. I'd say I I talk more about the journey, that the friendships you made, um, the crack you had, and um, just everything for your community. That's just for me. Everything is about community, and everything else is 
like whilst you play you're a player for 10 or 15 or 20 years whatever it is but once once that time is up you know you want to be given back to your club whether that be financially whether that be coaching training whatever it is um, so yeah so I don't know is there any one moment but I'd like to think lads have said he's not the worst of them you know no, Peter, I can I can assure you that they will definitely not be saying you're not the worst of them. You're you're a great man. That was of course uh, Peter Chapclair, Kilkenny and Blacks and Whites hurling legend joining me for this week's Clash Act podcast, and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon.